Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10:30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. Looking at Psalm 71, um We'll, we're going to be looking at a number of verses out of that passage today, but the two that kind of we're going to build off of today comes out of verses 14 and 15. As for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long, though I know not how to relate them all. Yeah, if you've ever stood up here and shared from the Word, that last line really speaks volumes though I know not how to relate them all. Um, it's kind of kind of strange. Uh, this week as I was, I've been working on this subject matter for the last couple of weeks, and one thought that crossed my mind when I read that scripture, I thought, now I've been in pastoral ministry 43 years, and I've only been preaching about 20 of those years. The rest of the time was just invested in music and administration and all the other stuff that goes with it. And... Uh, Sometimes sermons come real easy. It's kind of a strange thing. And uh, the, 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 theme, the message and the theme, and the, uh, it'll flow out of Scripture and start typing and writing and, and ga- gathering things together, and it works like a charm. Other times, uh, it's not so easy. It's a bit of a rocky road and a rough ride. And the last couple of weeks uh, in, in putting this sermon together, it's been a little rough ride. It's been a rocky road. So hopefully you're going to get something out of this today that will help you in your further walk with the Lord and walking in your, walking out your faith and all that good thing. So the title of my message this morning is um, Having Hope When All is Hopeless. Having Hope When All is Hopeless. Uh, we've read my text. This word hope is mentioned in Scripture 134 times. Anytime I see something like that in Scripture where it's there a lot and it's repeated over and over again, it makes me think that it's worth talking about. Yeah. It's worth mentioning, if the Lord saw fit in the, in the writing of His Word to mention it that many times, we should probably touch on it from time to time. So, thus today, our world that we live in, how many of you know, is in desperate need of hope. Of hope. Amen? I got to thinking of folks that I know that maybe have died without any hope left in their lives. It's heartbreaking. It's a bit crushing at times. I thought of um, someone that, that was maybe in war and they, they were taken as a POW. And there they sat in a POW camp day in and day out for years sometimes, not knowing what their future held. How, how hard would it be to have hope? Never knowing if someone was coming to rescue you, uh, that was that was that would be for me that would be hopelessness. Um, 
People who have maybe faced terrible shame in their lives or disaster in their lives. Or I thought of maybe uh, women who have lost a spouse. Or maybe they've lost a child along the way. We go through seasons of hope. I was reflecting back this morning uh, as I was rehearsing my notes in, in the shower this morning. I know, I don't, I, don't get me wrong, I don't take my notebook in the shower with me. It is made of paper and plastic, but I was just standing there, you know, soaping up and shaving my face and talking to God. And I got to thinking about this subject of hope. And uh, we, Teresa and I have been married 45 years. And we, we celebrated 45 years the 1st of June, and, and uh, I'm so grateful for that. But there was a time in our married life when things seemed hopeless. Um, 1977, we lost our firstborn, a little girl by the name of Kathy Carlene, to SIDS at three and a half months old. And things in our home, we were young. I mean, we were very young. We were 18 and 17 when we got married. We, we didn't know our from whatever, you know. We didn't know which end was up, let me put it that way. Okay? And... Uh, this little baby that God had given us died at three and a half months. And it seemed like we fumbled around and stumbled around in a fog, uh, almost like a blind man, blind person trying to find their way. We still loved one another. We still loved God. We were still serving in the church. But life had taken a turn where we felt hopeless. And I think in that time frame, Teresa had a miscarriage. And uh, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but she had a miscarriage, and, and that just added to the hopelessness. And we didn't know what to think about life. We didn't know what God had in store for us. Then in August of 1978, along comes Miss Tiffany, who brought life and vitality and hope back into our home. Here was this little girl, bundle of joy, and uh, so our, our situation went from... Hopelessness to having hope fulfilled. And so I want to help you today understand that hopelessness is just a season in time. It's just a chapter in the whole book, okay? It's not permanent. It's not going to last forever. So a lot of people today in our society and around us, they're without hope because coronavirus came along 15, 16 months ago and slapped them upside the head really hard. Businesses have been closed. Businesses have been shuttered. And uh, people have lost their livelihoods. And they have no hope because they're not sure next week if they're going to have a job or what's going to go on. They're not sure what the government's going to do to mess up their living one more time. And so we are in a season... As a society, I would say, and you pile on top of that, the feelings of hopelessness, then you pile on the racial tensions and the political tensions and the riots in the street. And we're so fortunate to live right down the street from Portland, Oregon, aren't we? Where every whack job in the nation wants to come and hang out and go go out in the streets and protest. Every time something hits the news cycle, they want to go protest. I'm like, Lord, thank you for letting me live on this side of the river. I am so thankful for that. Thank you for letting me live on this side of the river at least. Amen? God did not call me to Portland. Uh, if, he, if God called me to Portland, we'd have a tough talk about it. Yeah, we, God and I would have. But this is a moment in time when we as Christians can become a ray of hope in a dark and dingy world that has no hope. 
Okay? So I want you to look and think about that today. I hope you're taking some notes, writing down your thoughts, these thoughts on a piece of paper. But we can become the light in the darkness. Amen? That's what God has done for us, and that's what He's given us through salvation. Number one, if you're taking notes, hope is a position of optimism. Hope is a position of optimism. Now, optimism is defined like this. Hopefulness and confidence about the future or the successful outcome of something. It is a positive outlook based on the conviction that things are going to get better. Amen? How many of you are ready in your life for things to get a little bit better? Amen? Yeah, a lot of hands going in the air. So we, as Christians, we're talking about this word optimism... We have reason to be optimistic. And you think, well, why is that, Mike? Well, that brings me, I'm glad you asked, and that brings me to point number two. God is a good God. God is a good God. Exodus 34, 6 and 7 says, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love, and faithfulness. That's what he's abounding in, amen? Amen. Maintaining love to thousands and thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. When I read the Bible, the one thought that crosses my mind in talking about this is the God of the Bible and the God of heaven that we serve, he's motivated by love in all that he does. He cares for you and I, amen? He's motivated by love. All he wants to do is see mankind saved so we can all go to heaven and spend eternity with him. That's, that's really all he just, he just wants fellowship with us. We're his creation. We're different than any other creation on the planet. He made us that way on purpose. And so that's what God wants for us. Amen? Amen. Number three today, God is working for our good. God is working for our good. A very familiar verse of scripture that I put down, Romans 8 and 28. And we know that in all things God works for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God is not working for his good. It's not what the Bible says. God can do anything he wants to do because he's God. And yet he spends his energies and his time and his efforts working for our good. Don't you love that? He's working for our good. The Bible says if God is for us, who can be against us? He's for you. He's for me. Who can be against us? Who can stand against us? Nothing and nobody. Amen? And if we are mistreated and abused a little bit in this life, and some of us have been there and done that, that whole thing, Here's the reassurance that God's going to re- He's going to turn it around in eternity, in the afterlife. He's going to turn things around on our behalf, if that's your case. I thought about the beggars in this life, people that are underprivileged. I drive around and I see the homeless population and my heart goes out to them. They're hungry. They're sad. They feel like they've been persecuted by society. They are definitely disadvantaged. Those folks if they come to know Jesus as their personal Savior, God's going to turn things around for them, maybe in this life, but definitely in the next life. Amen? Deuteronomy 28.13 says, they will be the head and not the tail. That's a promise from God. Luke 13 and 30 says, indeed, there are those who are last, who will be first, and first who will be last. I think some of us are going to be in for a rude awakening when we get to heaven. Uh, that's, and I think in a good way and maybe in not so good a way. You know? Is that a word, good a way? I, can't, I had to stop and check my English there for a minute. 
But God has set up his kingdom and, and a system that we live within that says the first will be last and the last will be first. Some of us may not like that, but hey, brings me to my next point. Number four, God is in control. Amen? I think I mentioned last time I spoke, it's a good thing I'm not God, because there's probably some folks out there that I'd snuff them out in a heartbeat, you know? I'd punch their ticket, call their number. Now serving number 34, you're out of here. Yeah, God is in control. Mike is not, and that's a good thing. Psalm 22, 28 says, For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. That's a promise from God. Daniel 2.21, one of my favorite verses, especially for the global warming crowd, okay? And it doesn't matter where you're at in all of that. This is just one of my favorite verses. Daniel 2.21 says, And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. That means to me that no matter how much they're going to try to tax you, on the subject of global warming, only God changes the seasons, okay? Only he can fix the weather. We can't do, a, do anything about it. I got a kick out of the other day. I was watching the news, and they were talking about this article on the news. How many of you know that they've been pushing the heck out of these electric cars? Every, they want everybody to drive an electric car. Well, then there was an article that came up in the news that I thought was hilarious because in California, they're going to have rolling brownouts, and they don't want you to charge your electric car during those... During the six-week period, they'd rather have you not charge your electric car. And I'm like, the insanity just keeps getting bigger and better, doesn't it? That's nuts. I'll just buy coal, petrol, oil, stuff it in the tank, and drive it till it drops. How's that? My goodness. We live in a world that's in chaos because there are so many folks who are constantly sinning and violating the Word of God. And yet, despite all of that negativity, God is still moving history and mankind in a forward motion that he has designed for all of us. He, he's, God is in control. That's what we're talking about here. Still moving history in the direction he wants it to go because he's in charge. Ain't nobody else going to be in charge. And I love it because God intervenes where he sees fit. He looks at a situation and says, let them do what they need to do. Let them, let, let, them, let me kind of wash my hands of that. But other times God says, wait a minute. Those are my kids, and I need to intervene right then, right there. I need to do something on their behalf. So God is in control. Number five, the Bible tells us that we have hope in trials. Anybody ever been through a trial in your walk with the Lord? I think we all could say amen to that. Hebrews 6 and 19 says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Aren't you glad for that today? We have the promise of God's word to hang on to when life feels like a roller coaster ride and you're just beat, getting beat around and thrashed and and everything is going the opposite way that you'd like it to go God is in control and we have hope when we're walking through those trials. Romans 15 and 4 says for whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of scripture might have hope. If you're feeling a little hopeless today, just know that God's word is there that we can have hope in trials. Remember, it's a season. It's only a chapter. It's not the whole book. And this too shall pass. Amen? 
God uses trials in our lives, for one thing, to prove us, to put us in the fire, so to speak, that the good stuff will rise to the top. Amen? He'll, he'll, he'll pr- prove us like silver and gold. And he also uses trials in our lives to bring us closer to him. Sometimes we kind of, we're like a little kid. I was watching this kid at the mall the other day. We were sitting in the food court, Teresa and I, having a bite to eat. And this older Asian gentleman, must have been grandpa or great-grandpa, but he had charge of this little guy. And this little guy was about, I don't know, maybe three years old. He wasn't very old. He had on his little backpack. And I hear him come into the food court, and he's just crying at the top of his lungs. But he's running away from his grandpa at the same time. So he wanted, because what he saw was, he saw all those quarter-operated toys. He saw the kids on the trampolines going up and down and having a good time. And he wanted part of that, and he didn't really want anything to do with his grandpa, except grandpa had the money. (laughs) But he was just wailing at the top of his lungs. And at first, I didn't see grandpa. Grandpa was trailing a good 50 or 60 feet behind this guy, and probably on purpose. And this little kid just wailing at the top of his lungs like he's lost at the county fair. And uh, I thought, you know, sometimes we're that way with God. We run off with a really lousy attitude, and we do our own thing. And we kind of thumb our nose at God. And then when we get in trouble, we look back and say, hey, God, where are you? You got all the money. What's up, God? Help me out here, would you? And that little kid was going through a trial of his own. Finally, Grandpa got a hand on him. They were reunited. Grandpa came around and got him and took him away, and everything was fine. But I just thought, yep, that's us with God sometimes, our Heavenly Father. We don't pay attention. Let me share a little story with you. Talking about trials, there was an Ethiopian pastor who was leading a large gathering, and he heard he was heard praying for troubles to return to the country of Ethiopia. Those folks around him didn't understand what the problem is, but when times were bad and Christians were persecuted, the church was on fire with the preaching of the gospel. Every night souls were being won by the droves. But then when things improved and Christians were no longer persecuted, they became lazy and careless and lost their zeal for soul winning. So this pastor concluded his prayer with the request that God would send trouble back and persecution to Ethiopia to put the fire back in the church. Kind of a strange prayer. But if you think about that, sometimes, if you haven't had a trial in a while, just hang on. It's probably right around the corner, okay? Because sometimes trial may be just, trials might be need, what we need to get, for God to get our attention. I'd rather have, I'd rather put my attention on God than God have to get my attention. How about you? Huh? Yeah. And we don't want to stand in the pulpit and pray that God would send troubles to Vancouver or Clark County. No, no, no. We just want to walk in it. Uh, we want to walk in it. We want God to do his, have his way. Amen? Number six, hope should transform your life. Hope should transform your life. Say this with me. My life is not beyond repair. My life is not beyond repair. Say it again. My life is not beyond repair. Now David began in Psalm 71. He began checking off. It's like he had a punch list. And he began checking off his fears in Psalm 71. In verse 1, he feared that shame was coming his way. And he feared the the process of being shamed. Verse 4, 
He voices that he feared wicked people gaining power over him. And in verse 9, he feared old age and weakness. I'm right there with him. Yeah. I need some of them bionic body parts too, I think. I was walking, I was walking in front of Teresa going up the stairs to the second level of the food court there. And I have one knee that I trust pretty well, and then I have another knee that can't be trusted hardly ever. So as I'm walking up the stairs, and I'm doing my best not to touch the handrails and, 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 and the little dividers and all that stuff, I'm just... So every stair, I'm putting my hand on this knee, and I'm pushing, I'm pushing off with that leg, but that hand is keeping tabs on things, you know? And uh, she says, I knew you were going to get old and weak. I just didn't know it was going to happen this soon. <laughs> I said, thanks, honey. I appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, boy. So we're in verse 9 in, in chapter 71, and, and David has figured out, hey, I fear getting old. I fear getting weak in my body. And then in verse 10 and 11, his enemies are talking back and forth, saying that God had forsaken David, and then they were, they're making plans to attack him. So David is not in great shape in the first few verses of this chapter. And I'll let you read the whole thing to yourself this week when you get home kind of deal. But when you get down to verses 14 through 16, one author put it this way, David experienced a sudden and remarkable change. His fears were all silenced, his hopes were raised, and his prayers were turned into thanksgiving. Sometimes we have to put on God's glasses. We have to have Father's eyes to see where we ought to be going, what we ought to be doing, and not just our own human understanding, but we've got to see it through God's eyes. I know that if I don't put on my glasses, I don't see very well. You guys become very fuzzy and um, and forget trying to read notes. I know there's notes there, but I don't know what they say. So until I put on my glasses every morning, I'm like, oh, now I know what the rest of the world is up to and what the world should look like. We have to put on heaven's glasses to be able to see and understand God's purpose in our life and that somehow he uses these troubles, trials, tribulations to make us better people, better Christians, to serve better. Amen? So what is hope? What is hope? Well, man, I'm glad you ask. Author George Benkins puts it this way. He says, the coming of hope is like lighting a candle in the darkness. Other men see only a hopeless end, but the Christian sees an endless hope. Flop those words back and forth right there to make it better and, and make it a God thing. Author Emil Bruner says, what oxygen, listen, what oxygen is to the lungs, such as hope for the soul, the meaning of life. Hope is the positive mode of awaiting the future. Listen to that again, that last line. Hope is the positive mode of awaiting the future. We have two choices. We can either be positive in what we're looking at toward the future in our lives, whatever it is that you're asking God for, asking God to do, or we can be completely negative and have no hope in what God can do, and God would rather have it the first, not the second. Okay, Hope is the positive mode of awaiting the future. If you're taking notes, write this down. Hope is a form of faith. Hope is a form of faith. It's like a cousin to faith. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I remember 
witnessing to a classmate back in high school. He, did, he knew I was a preacher's kid. He knew I was a believer. And he had some interest in what was going on in my life. And he was asking me, he says, well, how is it you serve a God that you've never met? I said, well, in my mind and in my heart, I've met him personally, one-on-one. He says, but you can't see him. I said, well, I have faith. I have hope that he's out there. I'd rather do that and find out later on down in life that it was, it was just a fairy tale than to not serve him, not have hope in him, and then get to judgment day and be in trouble. That, would, that right there. But I tried to share the thought of having hope and faith in a God that you cannot see. You can't reach out and shake hands with God. Not that I know of. Now, if George Watkins was teaching this lesson, he would probably say that you could. And that's George's deal, and I love him to pieces. And, uh, but I've never shook hands with God. I've never even hidden in the cleft of a rock and watched his backside go by like they did in the Old Testament. But that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. Hope is a form of faith. And I shared Hebrews 11. Author William Carey says, Hope is to the confident... Oh, hope is the confident expectation of something good in the future. To hope in God doesn't mean cross your fingers and hope for the best. It means expect great things from God. Amen? If you want God to move in your life, you have to expect great things. I would say you need to verbalize those things to God. You need to write them down in your journal on a piece of paper. If you've got to st- put them on a sticky note and stick them up on the fridge or stick them on the mirror in your bathroom... Write down the great things that you're expecting from God and continue to pray over them and continue to repeat them. Amen? Hope, if you're taking notes, write this one down. Hope equals the reliance on God's presence and God's power. Hope equals a reliance on God's presence and God's power. So rejoicing in suffering doesn't mean that we celebrate when bad news comes. That's not, that's not what we're celebrating We celebrate in all things, not because of all things. Amen? But what we do believe is that God is doing a redemptive work in all of our lives. Amen? Redemptive means that God doesn't waste one hurt or disappointment. Amen? Redemptive means that God doesn't waste one hurt or disappointment. He's using them to shape us and to build us into the image of Christ. We're like that lump of clay on the potter's wheel and we're going round and round and round and God's sticking a thumb here and putting a finger there and maybe a carving tool there. But he's getting the lumps out, he's getting the bumps out, he's getting the imperfections out and he's making us into a vessel of honor that he wants us to be. Amen? I believe that our greatest times of growth in our Christian walk can be reached when we're at the end of ourselves, we're at the end of our resources, when all we have left is Jesus. Amen? When all we have left... I thought about... I wrote myself a little note here. Cat poster. Back when I was in my 20s... I'm not a cat person, don't get me wrong. I'm just not a cat person. But there was a poster that was at the local Payless store when I was in my 20s. And some of you have probably seen it. But here's a picture of this big rope with a knot in it and a little cat hanging by one hand. Okay? And the, the title says, When you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. And I thought about that little cat when I was putting all this together. Our greatest times of growth are when we've gotten to the end of our rope, we've tied a knot, 
we're hanging on by for dear life and we don't know what's going to happen or take place unless God intervenes because we've lost all resources in the natural abilities uh, in 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 the natural world all of that it's it's gone by the wayside we're like the little cat we're hanging on let me move right along here cuz i've got five more things i want to give you before we quit and i'll move through these quickly five cornerstones of king david's hope in psalm 71 it's our hope also number 1 god will always hear our prayers god will always hear our prayers verse 3 in our text says be be my rock of refuge to which i can always go Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and you are my fortress. I love the fact that we have a God that always hears our prayers. Amen? I can pray. Now, the ceiling sometimes feels a little bit like brass. I mean, it just bounces back at you, like like a BB in a boxcar. But understand that God always hears your prayers. Number two, cornerstone, God will always be our protector. He will always stand up for us. Amen? Verses 6 and 7 in our text. From birth I have relied on you. I have become a sign to many. You are my strong refuge. Author Francis Clark told of a young man who went out into the woods of Maine, had his professional camera to take a few photographs. He stopped at the entrance of a cavern on a rocky hillside and thought, I wonder what kind of picture I can get out of that cave. Steadying the camera just a little ways from the mouth of the cave, He gave the film a long exposure into the darkness of the interior. Later, when he developed the film, a wave of terror passed over him. In a center of that dark opening, but concealed from his eyes by the darkness, crouched a huge lynx, with its eyes fixed on him and prepared to spring on him. Danger, disfigurement, or death were only a few feet away from him, but he did not know it. How wonderful that God protects us from dangers we don't even know exists. Amen? I love that about God. He sees out there quite a ways in the future. He sees the, the narrow path we're walking. And uh, He knows what's ahead. Amen? He knows what's hiding in the caves of life. Number three, cornerstone, God is always faithful. God is always faithful. Verse five, For you have been my hope, O sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. Hebrews 13 and 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forever. He doesn't change. So if he's helped you through one trial, chances are he'll help you through another one. Amen? Chances are he'll walk you through the next one. He'll give you wisdom and insight. All you got to do is ask. Amen? Number four, cornerstone. By grace, we will complete our mission. By grace, we will complete our mission. Verse 18 in our text, even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me. David knew what he was talking about. Amen. My God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. David understood that the story didn't stop with him. The miracles didn't stop with him. God's faithfulness didn't stop with him. He said, help me in my old age. Carry it to the next generation. None of us should be content until we've carried our testimony of the gospel and what it's done in our lives to the next generation. That was David's goal. And the fifth cornerstone, write these words down, number five, our certain resurrection and eternal joy. Our certain resurrection and eternal joy. Verses 20 and 21 says, You will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth you will again bring me up. You will increase my honor 
and comfort me once more. First Peter 1 and 3 says, In His great mercy He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I don't know about you, but my eternal hope is wrapped up in eternal life with God the Father. Amen? Amen. As I bring this to a conclusion, I'm going to invite Grace and the band to come back. We're going to close with a song at the end of this uh, little story I want to share with you. The faith that moves mountains has been displayed in a little church that was moved by the hand of God. This church stands today in the village of Swan Quarter, North Carolina. Before it was built in 1874, the congregation had eyed with a deep longing a particular plot of ground to build their church upon, but the owner of the land refused to sell. The disappointed congregation had to build a short distance away, but continued to wish for the other site. Two years after the building was completed in 1876, a violent storm struck the county. Pelting rain, raging wind, and a roaring tide combined to make a miraculous moving power. The new church building was lifted up by the storm as if it were a scrap of paper, and it was airborne for a distance of about 300 feet. And though its path was completely erratic, it found its mark with unerring accuracy. The house of God came to rest upon the exact plot of land which the worshipers had so strongly desired and prayed for. The divine transfer awed and thrilled the people of the village and even stopped the objections of the owners of the property. That church still stands on the plot of ground ratified by the hand of God. Its name was changed from United Methodist Church to the Church of Providence. And the site is still considered by the locals as holy ground. I would say this, if you need a miracle, God is still in the miracle working business. Amen? Amen. God can still do miracles in all of our lives. Why don't you stand to your feet and I'll issue this challenge to you regarding our message today. Will you commit today to bring hope to someone around you in your circle of influence who doesn't have much hope? Somebody that's going through something that is terrible, it's tough, it's hard. Will you commit today to take this message of hope to them and share that with them and hopefully bring hope to them? Amen? We serve a faithful God today. Aren't you glad for that? And we put our hope and we put our trust in Him. Let me pray over you today before you go. Father, thank you for your goodness, your love, your kindness, and your grace to us, your kids. We are thankful today, Lord, that when all seems hopeless, you are the one that brings hope back into the picture. We don't have to walk in hopelessness forever. It's not a life sentence. It's just a season. Father God, and today we're going to embrace your word of these scriptures, Lord, and we're going to apply them to our lives. Father, if someone in this room today is walking through a season without hope, I pray today, Lord, that you would restore hope in their lives and bring them back to a place, Lord, where they can put their trust in you and rely on you to intervene in this situation, to correct, to make right a wrong, to correct whatever has gone awry and gone astray. Father, help us to get back on the straight and narrow, I pray. We are grateful for that today. Bless these, Lord, this week. 
in their places of employment, in all that they do, all that they, where, every place they go, and everything they put their hand to. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 Lord bless you guys today. Thank you.